Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. Good evening. We are so glad that you are joining us this evening with At the Table with Darlene. Uh, we are excited. Uh, every week we're excited because we know that God has good plans for all of us, but most of all we believe and know that God has good plans for you, the listener, and our hope and prayer is that you, your lives will be touched and changed and that God will give you a now moment. And so this evening is no different. We are believing God for now moments, uh, something that's just going to absolutely cause your world to turn around for the good. And uh, we are going to, we're blessed tonight to be able to do part two with uh, our past, pastor, Dan, Danny Wormuth. And so, Danny, we are so glad that you agreed to do part two with us. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you at the table, even if I have to do it uh, from a distance, so to speak. Yes, well, maybe one day we'll all get to sit around the table together. That would be perfect. How and, about October? Let's yeah, just how about a good time. Hey, that's let's a good do something in October. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Absolutely, let's do I it. Think, I, think, I think October 11th would be a good time to sit around the table. Ab- absolutely. Done deal. Well, it's a done deal. Okay, okay. So we're going to have Danny Wormuth and Cindy Wormuth are going to be with us on that Sunday, October the 11th. So all of you listeners that are just loving this, tell somebody else and uh, come on out to Solid Rock Family Church in Farmington, Missouri. If you're close at all, fly in. We don't care. Come on. We got, we'd got. we love to have you to come from wherever. And Maybe Ken and Cheryl will come. Hey, did you know Ken and Cheryl moved back to Dallas? Well, it's about time. Yes. They did. So they might even fly in for that meeting. There you go. Well, I'm so glad. Know. You well, know they're they're wonderful. I yes. love them. We sat around a hotel room one night, singing late at night. The restaurant was closed, and we were the only ones there. You and your beautiful <laughs> wife and the Masseys and Darlene oh, and I. Oh, my goodness, what a time we We had. were singing those old gospel and, hands. At a table. And at a table. And we hotel lobby. We yes. were at a table. We were, yeah. we were at the table with Darlene. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was prophetic, know, wasn't it? Was prophetic. And people were getting saved. Yes. The cook, the chef came out and got yeah. saved. Yeah. He did. And he went off and evangelized while we were singing. So what, what, what a night. Saved. What a night. Well, sitting around the table also, as you can hear, my sweet husband, Darrell, is still with us. And, of course, we could not or would not do this no, show without Chris Norman, our executive producer. Chris, thank you. I'm glad to be here. For all you did. Didn't you enjoy the last session I with did. Danny? Yes. It, it's yes. just such a blessing. And uh, But we're excited because we want our listeners to get to hear the story of what happened. What was the day? May, May 22nd, 2011. Hey, before, before he gets into that, I have to give you a, a disclaimer that uh, my wife really respects and loves Pastor Dan, but she's known you, Pastor, since you were a, just a teenager. No. And so I, so you're still Danny to her. So I'm okay that, with it. I am. I, I, it's a, it's a term. I got gray hair. She doesn't. It's a term and of I, endearment, I, I, and it's just I, it's I, no I, way disrespectful. Well, wait a minute. No, I... I feel highly respected when you call me. Well, uh, it's like this. Uh, I was n- not old enough, but I was old enough. I had a teenage boy right. at the time and daughter, 
and a young daughter, Tiffany, which didn't make it to the podcast. We're sorry about that. She's missing it. But uh, we had a bus that would come uh, through Michigan every year. Yes. And that was before you and Cindy were married. It's true. And Uh, you you guys ministered, and you were at camps and sang, and my God, the move of God we would have in those services. I know. We could go way back. So... What a shock when our world was brought back together. I mean, just amazing. So It is. I remember that day. We were in, uh, uh, were we not in Jeff City? Jeff City. And, and I looked I looked back a couple times and thought, I know. I know. That's, that's, that's Darlene. And my wife said, well, my God, it is Darlene. And that was, was it. It was the moment. I know. And our friend Keith had told me you were in uh, Missouri, but I didn't realize you would be in the meeting that day. And so Keith has gone to be with Jesus, but he certainly did his best to help make sure we found yes. each other. Yes, yes Keith, he did. Keith came by and preached for us a few times. Yes, and thank God that he did. But I, I know when I looked over and I saw you two, there was such a connection that happened because... Yeah. Well, for many reasons, there was a connection, and God knew that. And but I felt at home. I finally felt at home when, when you and Cindy appeared. I felt home in in the atmosphere where I was at, because sure. yeah. But that's a story in itself. Us so, too. So yeah, you guys go back many we, many years. Huh? We do. I mean, we're both really young, but yes, we go back yeah. many many years. Uh, well, Daryl Daryl married a younger woman, and so glad that he did. And, yes, uh, and so we feel like you're you're the father in in the whole conversation. <laughs> there you go. Everybody has to have a father, and Daryl is that. Well, he is. We were Dar- Darlene and I were enjoying some downtime at uh, Osage Beach at the Lake of the Ozarks over yeah. the weekend of May 21 and 22 mm-hmm. and uh, we heard about this storm in fact it was there was some of that came through Osage Beach but we heard about this F5 was it yes tornado that was approaching uh, Joplin Missouri and you were right in the path of that thing in fact it was a Sunday evening and you had people at your church can you tell us tell can you just tell everybody the story Dan there are some horrid, some great wonderful testimonies that came out of that Yes and I would really like for Danny to kind of tell us the listener where you were at at that time when I say where you were at emotionally uh, physically spiritually to just put a little bit uh, of uh, a foundation for people to understand how God steps in in our desperate moments of life. You know Darlene I sat here wondering if I should share this one part that many times I don't tell and so you just really opened the door for that here at the table. Um, I remember waking up that morning with such a sense of dread and normally you don't want to go to the pulpit and preach a message with a dreadful feeling but I remember there was such a sense of dread and I kept trying to shake it and throw it off. I struggled. Um, We had service, we had worship, I preached. Following the service, we went to a... a big shindig for a family that was going to have a baby, so it was a baby shower, and it was at um, uh, Bishop Nathan's house in Carthage, and so we're there, and lots of people that I knew from the church, we were just all together, but the clouds were so ominous, and while we were there, I get a text from my one of my staff persons saying, we're getting in the closet, and that means 
times there's tornado sirens going off. And so uh, the next moment I get another one says uh, the house is coming apart. And then I don't get any more texts. And we realize something has happened. And we start getting calls from other people saying that the city's been destroyed. And so we jump in the car and drive back towards Joplin and drop my wife off to start making phone calls she's going to go through a list and try to find out who and where and we're getting early reports that this tornado has wiped out perhaps a third of the city and indeed it did take out 5,000 plus homes Mm -hmm. over 500 businesses immediately in that tornado 164 people died in the moment Uh, it would be another 200 that would die from their injuries over the course of the weeks and months to come. But I I went looking for the staff person that had texted me. I drove towards the zone, I will call it, and I had to stop my car. I couldn't get in any further because it was literally like um, a war zone. And so I had to hike into that part of the city. And when I got there, there was no house. It was just literally gone. And I was crying out to the Lord, where is Bob and Pat? And I'm thinking, where is everybody? And um, I'm standing there and I'm looking across literally a a whole part of the city that's just flattened and gone and it's demolished and there's just debris everywhere. And I hear a voice that says, help us. And so we move a car out of the way to get an ambulance through and... Uh, eventually I make it back to my car and I try to get to the hospital. It was just crazy trying to get through the zone to get to the hospital. I start walking into the hospital and there's people on the floor up against the walls like a movie. Yeah. Just waiting to be, you know, seen. I, I walk through the emergency room. I find some of my congregation members there. Uh, I'm looking for others. I'm trying to help them connect with their family and still looking for Pat. And finally, I find Pat and Bob. Um, and I remember the sense of, you know, relief that they were alive and now to find everyone else. And so it was two o'clock in the morning before we got back to to the house and my wife reported to me who she got a hold of and who she hadn't and it's the next day that we begin to find out how how many people were affected although nobody directly in the congregation died there were many who were now without a home but the miracles in that in the testimony would be as they cried out to the lord he he protected them one one woman 80 I think 75 years old, went and got her neighbor who was 90 and brought her back to her house. And they were in the backside of her house and she was just declaring Psalm 91 and then declaring that the Lord is my pavilion. And so the house is being destroyed by the tornado, but that part of the house, the roof, just came down over them kind of like a like a, a lean-to. Yeah, yeah. And everything else is gone but that, and they're underneath it safe. And... Uh, you know, I hear of that story. I hear of um, other people who were preserved. Uh, one man was making coffee, you know, in his birthday suit, and and the tornado hit the house. And the next thing he knows, he's coming to. He was wrapped up in a, a carpet like a burrito, 
And so he's calling out for help, and someone comes to help him and starts to unfold it. He says, stop, and they want an offer. <laughs> he goes, no, I... Um, I was making coffee in my birthday suit when the thing hit the house, and so you know he needed needed a blanket or something for to cover himself. I found there were people who survived um, this thing in such the most odd ways. So when Bob and Pat finally told me their story, they were in the closet when their house came apart. She started going up in the air, straight up, and he grabbed her hand, and he's holding onto her hand. And he can see the blue sky at the top of the tornado vortex. And then he starts to lift off the ground. And he says, Lord, I've got the wife. You've got to get me. And he felt someone grab a hold of his other hand and hold him. So his feet are vertical. I'm sorry. His feet are horizontal in the air. And his wife is horizontal. And he's holding onto her and he's watching her. And they're just literally, you know, hanging in the air. And he feels the other person who's come along and holding his arm. And then as the tornado passes by, the debris in the wall of the tornado doesn't kill them, which is just a miracle. So um, they fall back down right on top of where their house was. And debris lands on them. And it's just another miracle of how the Lord helped them to get out of that. Each they they have no idea other than it had to have been the angel of the Lord holding him in place yes. and keeping him from being drawn away while the rest of the house was gone, you yes. know. Yes. So it, early on we got reports of how God preserved lives. But uh, on day 2 in that morning I just said I was just trying to get ready for the day. And I just said, Lord, I just don't know what to do. And I heard him just say, just say yes to the bless. <laughs> I remember I that. Yes. Yeah. Thought the Lord had messed up when he said, just say yes to the bless. But what he was indicating is time and space is not, you know, he's not bound by that. And so I, I heard him say it. I tried to imagine what that looked like when I heard the Lord clear his throat and the way he cleared his throat was don't overthink it, don't give it thought, just say yes the first phone call was can you use all of this stuff that you know they had coming and I'm I almost said no, and I heard him one more time say, just say yes. And so from that point on, every phone call was a yes. And you guys, when you get a phone call from somebody that says, we've got dialysis machines and medicine, brand new chairs, everything needed for a dialysis center, and it just didn't open up in their community, could we use it? You know, I learned to say yes in in that first 24 hours, and I just kept saying it after that. I said yes, and I didn't know what I was going to do and within two hours I'm getting a call from an organization in town saying two of our dialysis centers have been destroyed we're trying to find a location for to, to stand one up and do you know of any place and I said well call my friend but do you need equipment and they said well yeah we need equipment and I said it'll be here at four o'clock today so at four o'clock they came by and picked up all brand new equipment and seats and chairs and you know those lazy boy chairs and just if you say yes because God says say yes then he's got a plan for it he's just looking for somebody willing if, if he can get it through me he'll get it to me yes. and so we kept saying yes so that he could get it through us and um, it just began and it continued and we began serving 
uh, 18,000 volunteers in the seven years that we served in disaster relief, 10,000 wow. families that we and that, served. Now, this is at your church. This, yes, through this, our location. Yes. And because we were, our church was setting in the county, you know, the storm was headed right for us. And the intercessors and the youth were at the church and some life groups were at the church. And they began to pray and it shifted that storm that was headed right for the church and turned it away from the church so that it would be preserved. And it became then a, a service center, kind of like a... Literally became a service center inside his sanctuary. Yes. That became a service center. Yes, ma'am. Was the most amazing thing I've ever seen, Danny, in my life. So go on with your story. I just wanted people to understand that when you said, begin to say yes, you had no idea what God was going to bring physically yes, into your That's church correct. and on your property and what the people of the church and the people of the community were going to be saying yes and God was using your church for a landing place yes. for people to come. And, and I so, think it's ahead. worth noting that the, yes, the, the Kenneth Copeland organization Yes, uh, got involved. Uh, the uh, Bevere, John Bevere's organization got involved with you guys personally. Yeah. They, stood us, they stood us up on our feet financially. When when we said yes at that moment, there was only about $214 in the savings account at the church account. Church had been through a real financial struggle. Yes. And so for him to ask us just to say yes, I knew I was saying, I was yeah. going to say yes, but I didn't know to what I could say yes to because I knew um, we were at a time in, with the church that we literally lived from week to week. You know what I'm saying? Um, there just wasn't savings at that time. And um, so for us to just say yes, the Lord the Lord needed us just to obey uh, and make room for him and he would show up. So that first that first call from the Beveers asking if, if we were okay, are we alive, how's the church, because they had been here, they, they had become, mm -hmm. um, you know, friends and yes. ministered here. And so we're, yes, we're good. And then they said, well, we want to help. What can we do? And I said, well, this is what we're doing. And they said, okay. And so they sent a check in order order for us to buy food we started serving uh meals uh, 187,000 meals once we started counting we served over 187,000 meals wow. served 18,000 volunteers ministered to 10,000 families did over those 700 numbers those numbers if i know people those numbers that you're just quoting yes. those are Amazing! Those are large, huge numbers. Sure, almost a quarter of a million. Look what God yes. is doing and did. My goodness! And you had you had yes, food sir. trucks and people cooking out on the parking lot all the time. It, uh, Terry Ring from down in Van Buren, Arkansas. He came up immediately. You know, Keith. Keith called and said, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yes," and he said, "Well." Um, what can I do for you? And I said, you know, Keith, if you can just come and help me figure out um, 
how we can network with people that we know. I, I don't I don't know what to do in that area. And he came and started networking across the nation. He was a genius, wasn't he? Oh my goodness. He was. He was and he his friends would call him. He would put out a message. He was there and friends would call and so they'd start coming. Terry Ring was one of his friends and so Pastor Terry came up with these huge cookers and started cooking meals for the volunteers. So you know when the when lunchtime or breakfast would come, there would be Mennonite, Amish, Jewish people, Islamic people, Buddhist um, organizations, Catholic charities, people from every kind of denomination that you can imagine. And then there'd be, you know, uh, just people who didn't serve the Lord at all, but were there for humanitarian reasons. They would just come and they would work in the community. And then they knew that there was a church that would feed the volunteers. So they would come out there. There'd uh -huh. be all these people banding together, just experiencing uh, a meal and interaction uh, as they served. And then they would share their stories of how they help people. And, and there are just, you know, obviously there's a lot of stories of people's lives who were touched, helped. Kenneth Copeland invested nearly $350,000 in Joplin alone by... Um, they did several outreaches. They invested resources, buying food. They did an outreach with a, um, Christmas. They did a set up a Christmas store for over 700 families to come and be able to, you know, get Christmas toys uh, for their children. Crocs, the company Crocs, sent 5,000 pairs of Crocs. Wow. I didn't know they had that many kinds of Crocs. <laughs> and so they wanted to make sure that the people... Nurses and doctors, firemen and police who served, they wanted to serve them. So we had a special event and were able to give to them and their families, and then the remainder went to the public. But we found ways to just say yes as somebody wanted to serve. Your whole auditorium became a distribution center. I remember walking through there and the, yeah. the carpets were suddenly becoming totally destroyed uh, yeah. because of the two-wheelers and the dollies and the pallet movers and the uh, yeah. forklifts coming to go. Your auditorium looked like, a, like an industrial building. Oh, that's the part, Pastor. Uh, that's the part, Darlene, that I, I would say when you say yes, what you're saying to is we're going to love people yeah. and we're going to use things. So you got to use your building and use your stuff to care for people. Amen. If if you love your building more than you love oh, people, that's good. That's so you're good. Gonna, you're not going to make an impact. People yeah, don't. So good. You're yeah. not going to touch their lives. Amen. So we chose to love people and um, to use things. Um, there were there were numerous different organizations that served. You know, our home missions for PCG uh, invested. Uh, there uh, people. Well. Um, Joyce Meyer's ministry invested. There were numerous people. There would be little grandmas and grandpas that would drive by and bring, you know, a, a mason jar full of their change. It's what they had and say, we, we've seen what you're doing and we want to help. I found if, again, if he can get it through us, he'll get it to us yeah, for the yeah. purpose and the yeah. vision. And so we didn't we didn't have to worry about we didn't have the money to help. The Lord had the money. All we had to be willing to do is allow it to pass through us to serve. And so when Lakewood Church came, um, their their team members, they literally moved all of our all of our handwritten 
documentation into digital and they served literally for days doing that transition because we were in the county we didn't have restrictions on us like churches did and so we were able to serve we had bunk houses that the lutherans made out of orphan grain trains they call them it's like the box that you travel down the railroad tracks Uh with the grain they turned them into bunk houses and the presbyterians sent a shower house to us that we could use at 10 stalls and sinks and you know and so the, the thought is is that there were organizations that partnered with us we partnered with them and we served together uh and as that as that tool was used for its purpose when it no longer needed to be here then it was repositioned somewhere else like when sandy the hurricane hit the east coast we had a medical um we had a container a shipping container we turned into a medical like a a mash type medical unit Uh, and so we were able to redistribute that over to there and for them to use and they used it for over a year and served took care of people they had doctors and nurses that were seeing people after that hurricane so we literally found that whatever the use was for us when it was done here it needed to go to the next place i remember uh after that the tornado coming through oklahoma city and you and you jumped in your automobile and you went over there to offer advice and assistance and helped and were uh, with those people that had been had just gone through what you guys had been through you know your friends dean and uh, shirley lemons we, yes. we took a trailer and a, a vehicle load of stuff there and we unloaded it and then dean said you know shirley just called and said there's a tornado coming and there was sunshine outside i thought how do you know there's a tornado coming and it's because norman oklahoma is uh that's the area for our nation where they know when the when the weather is just right for a tornado so we said we're going to go get some dinner and want you to come with us and then we'll go to the shelter and i'm i'm just scratching my head thinking i i don't see any clouds in the sky we went and had dinner then we went to bishop dowd's um mcdowell's uh house and went into his shelter and sure enough another tornado came through it was developed so I literally, I took resources over there to help them with the more Oklahoma tornado, only uh-huh. to hide out in a, in a shelter for another <laughs> that came over. So my Lord in mercy, you know, I've done but Psalm 91 works. You know, this story that we're talking about is, uh, it's really about this. Your listeners need to understand that God has a plan and a purpose yes. for their life. Yes. And so the Lord invites us to his table, just like, you know, darling, you have invited us to the table today. You invite us to come and spend time and just discover that God can use anyone in any way. Yes. It, when, when we had a 90-foot-long tent that was 40 feet wide, filled with clothing, and when people could come here after the tornado and find clothes for themselves and their children, you know, Someone has to fold those clothes. Someone was out there ironing them, pressing them, making them presentable. We didn't give junk to people. If we got stuff that wasn't nice and that did happen, sure. uh, we had several semi-trailer loads that we had to send away and we learned of a recycling plant that they would recycle the fibers and so that was good. But we didn't give people junk. We didn't give them junk furniture. 
Um, when when furniture came to us, we weren't going to give something to somebody that I wasn't willing to use myself. Um, but it takes somebody to fold it, and you know whether you're the church that's hosting it or you're the you're the precious saint that would come every day in the heat mm-hmm. and fold those clothes so that they're presentable, so that a little mama can get clothes for her kids yes. and sort out all the sizes or cooking in the kitchen or working working in the warehousing or working a forklift, whatever it was, you know, that people did, they made it happen. We were able to serve because my own congregation still needed to work their jobs, those who had jobs. Mm-hmm. They couldn't leave their job to do it. So it took the volunteers to make this happen. Yeah. But our congregation had to say yes to using the building. We would love yes. people more. We love the building, and then the Lord would help us someday, you know, make the building uh, lovely again. And he has. And it's beautiful. Yes. Amen. Thank you. But I, I know here at the table today, the people who are listening need to understand God wants to do amazing things yes, through does. them. Amen. And it, it could be as simple as folding the clothes in the in the clothing tent or cleaning a table after we've just fed thousands um, or or helping to prepare the meal or standing at the door smiling. You know, when people came through to receive resources, we never wanted anyone to feel like a victim. We always wanted them to feel they were victorious. It requires a smile and a hug. And I just... You've reached a lot of people, and thank you for letting me share just a little bit about the miraculous of what God did for us. Uh, In spite of the tornado and the destruction, God's goodness, his divine love showed up to let people know that he loved them. He didn't send the storm. But he certainly was Jesus there in the you go. Hey, Amen. Yes. Uh, that is so good, Danny. And it's just kind of like what people are living today. So many have been affected differently than maybe we have with the pandemic. And But I, I just believe that as they've listened to this uh, podcast tonight, that that they are that hope is getting alive in them and stirring within their spirit that God wants to use them. You know, I was, I'm thinking about the little uh, woman that her uh, the her husband was a prophet and he had died and and, and the prophet Elijah come come by and and, and oh. she was telling the sad story about what was going on. The real life was going on, and he yes. just asked her, "What do you have in your house? What do you have?" And I think that's the that's the real question to all of us. What do we have within us? What do we have that our gifts, our talents, maybe a natural thing that we have that we can give to someone, we can share with someone and that continuous way of life because that's the victorious life. That's kingdom life that we get to live and that's even when it's hard, even when it's disgusting as far as things that we kept neat and clean can't be clean anymore, but we're getting to do something that's so beyond ourself. And that's what happened with your situation. But look what God's doing now in this day and time, in this pandemic. It looks different, but actually you're doing kind of the same thing just in a more mature way may uh, you know it, it's we grow from every situation we get to be in and so yes, we learn you gain wisdom and yes. you learn how to apply that in the next opportunity amen, amen. that's why 
Oh, I really would. My prayer would be that people who were listening uh, to your podcast today would know that what you were doing to help women around the world is so significant uh, and to help women to understand they can, they are life changers. They are amazing, a gift from the Lord. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast today and you want to find a, if there's a place you want to make an investment in women's lives, then I say write a check, uh, be supportive to what At the Table with Darlene is doing to touch women around the world. You'll find out that that investment will empower women, help women to be set free, help women to walk in the identity that God has called them to be. Uh, it's a, This is a great ministry, and thank you for the invitation to be at the table with you today and just share certainly some of our story, but I just want you to know what you're doing to empower women. Um, it's I'm inspired as a man to make sure that what you're doing uh, continues to thrive and increase, especially in the moment we're in. Thank you, Danny. Because we, you know, never on this podcast have we, we haven't pushed what we're doing uh, at all. But thank you, because uh, that is something that, that is so our heart to go into, you got to go to Georgia, Republic of Georgia with us, and we were able to see women that were, when we first started going, you know, they were not included in very much at all. And then to right. see the women now, they are ministering and having conferences and, and husbands and wives are working together and, and to see them, see who they are in Christ and then to go into other countries and where women, you know, are finding out that God really does love them and really does care. And so thank you for that because it's never been about Darlene Rhodes, but I am so grateful that I said yes to the call and yeah. that God is allowing us to do what he's allowing us to do. So thank you for that. It, well, Darlene, it's because for every son, there is also a daughter for us to take a look at and see how our Heavenly Father has anointed sons and daughters to serve as ambassadors. Yeah of his kingdom and the earth. And that's why what a thrill it is for daughters to rise up and be literally a daughter of the Most High God, like Esther, like so many others, like Deborah, like, I don't know if you've met her, Darlene Rhodes, <laughs> who is bringing culture to other cultures. So we're not, the transformation, I would call it, is a kingdom culture transformation that's happening. Oh, yeah. And you're, I get to see the benefit of it. I went to Georgia because I wanted to see what I was hearing about. I wanted to look at what I was investing in and I could tell that the kingdom culture was being established uh, in those places and in certainly that country, which is a reflection of our father's love for his sons and his daughters. And so therefore that kind of transformation can only happen when we so directly, specifically into it and empower women to be the daughter of the Lord that he's called them to be. Amen. So, what a privilege to be at the table well, with Dark today. Thank you, Danny. It's just been an honor and a privilege to have you. And I'm going to ask you again to pray uh, because I just feel like that, that anointing is there upon you right now to, to close this podcast out with 
praying for, whether it's men or whether it's women, but I think the women would appreciate a prayer uh, over them also because God is raising up, like you said, his daughters, loving on them and showing them that he's always used them and he wants to use them in such a time as this. And so would you pray before we go? I would like to, and may I just tell this moment, just this brief story. My father saw the call of God on my mother's life. He nurtured that call, and and, and he just said, we're going to do the ministry together. And so they labored together. Mm -hmm. My father did not know he would pass at 48 Mm -hmm. years of age. Mm -hmm. But because he saw the call on my mother, and he walked together, they walked together in ministry, when he passed, my mom could continue in ministry to the point she was, she didn't know how before, but when it come time to fulfill the vision that dad and her had on the new building, she was out there laying cement block and then laying brick and serving and, and ministering and pastoring. And then she saw the call on my brother and he became pastor of the church at that time, Pastor Mike. And I watched my mom was celebrated by my dad and empowered by my dad to be a daughter while he was a son. And that gave us boys the lesson to know that our wives are called equally with us. And so what a privilege it is to watch how you and your husband, Daryl, when he looks at you, he looks at you as this amazing gift that God has given him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He adores you. When you see how a pastor looks at his wife, you know whether or not um, that's a safe place. And so uh, what a delight to watch that same spirit that was on my father is on Daryl, the way he empowers you it strengthens yes. you and uh, and does whatever's necessary to make sure that the word of the Lord that's in your mouth is communicated just like you've made sure the word of the Lord in his mouth is also communicated so um, I just I pray from that perspective that even as my wife and I serve in ministry together each with our own specific talents but yet each of us together um, I want I want women today to know that they're called to be daughters of the yes. Yes, amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord, we just come before you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Son of the Most High God. And we activate these women to be daughters of the Most High God. You are mothers in Zion. You were called to bring forth, not just to bring forth children naturally, but also to bring forth sons and daughters spiritually as you travail in the Spirit. And that there would be the living Word of God functioning and manifesting inside of these daughters, even as you've called your sons. And so, Lord, today I'm asking that daughters would see that they were uh, called just like uh, women of the New Testament, women who were entrepreneurs, women who impacted the gospel, provided for Paul, provided for Peter, who made provision for the gospel to be communicated, and even Junia, the Apostle Junia, who was a woman who served and was numbered among the apostles for her ministry. Lord, I just thank you today that you are doing great things. So we say yes to what you want to do in our lives. And thank you for connectivity. Thank you that every time these precious uh, daughters of the Lord come to the table with Darlene, they are empowered with yet again another fresh word of encouragement to succeed in what they're doing. So we thank you that hope prevails. 
Thank you that their children are thriving and that these women are Proverbs 31 women and that they will succeed in the things that the Lord has given them. We honor you for it today in Jesus' name. Thank you. Until until the next time at the table with Darlene, may the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. And Danny Wormuth, we love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at darlenesolidrock at gmail.com. Let us know any topics you would like to hear from At the Table. You can also check us out at darlenerhodes.org. Also at wawministries.org. Thanks again for joining us at At the Table with Darlene.